Well, good morning. I would invite you to turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We'll look at one verse, verse 17, but I want to read the whole uh, passage, the context here. I will say that there's a lot of men, there are a lot of men in the congregation today that are sore, sore than normal. Uh, some are more um, uh, in pain than others. We had our uh, chili cook-off. Now, it wasn't the chili, it was the football before the chili that uh, made a lot of us sore playing football. Uh, but a, a good time was had by all, so it was a wonderful time. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to be looking at verse 13 uh, through the end of the chapter. That's where I'll start reading. <clears throat> For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. For though through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you do not consume or are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the thing that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I former or I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. What a precious word that it is. I pray that it, as it goes out, that it would minister to our hearts and that we would apply these things as we can. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been looking at spiritual warfare. That's been the topic for the past few, uh, at least couple of months. But it, I think it's important for us to have an accurate understanding of spiritual warfare. I, I think sometimes we have a wrong understanding, and I think there's danger in that. If we just think that spiritual warfare is just casting out demons or uh, having some kind of a satanic oppression in our home and, and we, we want to just bind Satan uh, from the buildings that we are in or put some kind of hedge of protection around our families uh, to keep Satan out and to keep us safe, then that's not really spiritual warfare. We've misunderstood. That's not really biblical warfare. That's not the model that we see in, in Scripture. 
But with that model comes this attitude of, of seeing Satan behind everything, behind every bush, under every rock. He is the, the source and the cause of everything that disrupts our life. But that just turns into mysticism. That's basically all of that is. Uh, superstition, imagination. And again, that's not what we see in Scripture. Now, Satan does attack, but it's not in the sense that, that is being sold to us today. That's just turning Satan into some kind of boogeyman to, to just scare us. Um, that's not what we see in Scripture. But it is easier to blame Satan than to put the blame on ourselves. It's easier to just say, well, Satan made me do it. That was a phrase. I think Flip Wilson kind of popularized that back in the day, many, many years ago. And there's movies about the the idea that uh, uh, Satan uh, possessed this guy. He commits this uh, crime, and, and now he's trying to get out of this crime because he says that Satan made him do it. It wasn't him. It wasn't his fault. Satan made him. Satan possessed him. But even in the New Testament, we see Ananias and Sapphira were influenced by Satan, even possessed by Satan. They were still judged by the Lord. They had obligations. They are... Uh, there is personal responsibility. And so we have to be really careful here. The control uh, of our actions comes down to us. It's not some force outside of ourselves that is bringing, uh, bringing to bear on us that we, we can't control ourselves. We can't help it. Satan just takes control. And that's not what we see. And it's, again, easy to blame the world, too. The influence of the world. He's a good kid. He's just fallen under bad influence. Uh, and so, the spiritual warfare, we fight against that influence. We fight against the influence of the world uh, with laws and politics. We want to shut down businesses that would, that would uh, flood our homes with alcohol or marijuana or, or these deadly drugs or flood our home with pornography and gambling or... Uh, or strip clubs, and we want to shut those things down, shut down the, the abortion clinics. That's spiritual warfare. But again, we would be missing the point. That's not quite... Those things are part of spiritual warfare, but, but I think the far greater element of spiritual warfare, and we have to understand it correctly, is against our own sinfulness. Sinfulness. If we look at that kind of spiritual warfare, we, we minimize sin. We minimize sin in our own life. We minimize the power of sin and the pervasiveness of sin. But it's hard for us to face our own sinfulness. It, it's so much easier to blame Satan and blame the influence of the world and, and blame someone other than ourselves, other than facing the reality that we are sinful people. And that's a hard reality to face. Face the fact that we're enslaved, in, in fact, to sin. And sometimes spiritual warfare may be in the ballot box. There is that, that level. that, uh, And sometimes it, it is uh, obviously the influence of the world. But that's only part of spiritual warfare. I think, I would say 90% of spiritual warfare is on a daily basis is just the struggle with our own sin. That, that fight with our own sin, within their own heart. And for the most part, 
spiritual warfare and the blame of sin falls upon us, it sins not outside of us, squarely on our own shoulders. And we dare not minimize the power of, and the control of sin in our own heart. The Bible says that, the, uh, that sin is bound up in the heart of a child. It has to be driven from him. The heart is deceitful and desperately sick, desperately wicked. Who can even, who can even know it? And we are so sinful that we don't even know how sinful we are. Folks, that, that really is the bottom line. It's like fish who are in a, a fish tank. Fish don't know that they're wet. Um, who knows, who knows fish better? Either fish, the fish know themselves better, or the scientists who study fish. Or maybe the fishermen. Well, it's, it's the fishermen. Something outside of ourselves has to inform us. We have to have some, something that will objective, uh, with some objective knowledge that will inform us that, that we are so sinful that we don't realize how sinful we are. And, and that's God Himself. God is the source of that. We have to look at His Word. His Word informs us of how sinful we are. And that's, Part, that's the biggest part of spiritual warfare. Now we've seen war, spiritual warfare started in the heart and the mind of, of Satan is, and it has uh, uh, escalated to, to global war involving everyone that was ever born except one. And everyone that's ever born has been in rebellion against God, shaking their fist against, uh, fa- shaking their fist in God's face. The God of the universe, the God who created us, and that's the start. And it's it's escalated to three fronts. We we fight the Christian fights against Satan. We fight against the world, and we fight against the flesh. We fight against Satan. We see in Scripture when he attacks, we know that he's going to attack. He's on the move. He's on the prowl. Peter says he's going to attack, and. But he wants us to compromise our faith. He wants us to renounce our faith, like he he was able to do with Peter. Knocked Peter off balance for a while. And so Peter then warns us in the passage that we saw a a few weeks ago that we are to be sober-minded. We are to be watchful because Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. And when he does attack... Those, those times that he does attack, we simply resist him and, and he'll flee from us. That's a satanic attack. In fact, we resist him and we stand firm in our faith. We don't get knocked off. And then number two, the world, that's Satan, then, then the world, the, the world's influence is always going to be there. It just is. Uh, the, the world, the world's system is living under this delusion that Satan has fed to the, the world, this lie that Satan has fed to the world, that, that satisfaction can be filled, uh, can be found outside of, of God. We just have to look for it. It's there, and we just pursue it. We just keep looking, keep looking, satisfaction, happiness. And again, the, the answer, when, when we do fall under the influence of the world, we take ourselves out of that influence. We don't allow ourselves to even flirt with the world. We don't allow ourselves to be influenced by the world. Some would say, uh, back in the Middle Ages, they, they built monasteries to hide from the world or to isolate themselves from the world. 
And, and that's not the answer. Uh, you, there's no monastery big enough to keep out the evil influence of the heart of man. That's where sin resides, in the heart of man. And it's bound up in the heart of man. And so man, when man goes into that monastery, he takes the world with him. And, and again, no monastery is strong enough to keep out that kind of, of evil. We cannot isolate ourselves from the world, but we do detach ourselves from the influence of the world. We cannot succumb to the world's influence. But again, when the world influences, we don't sit under the influence of the world. And then number three is the, the flesh. And again, I think that's just the worst. So often we forget about that spiritual warfare. That's, that's the fight. We don't need to blame Satan for our sin. We don't need to blame the world for our sin. We don't have to look outside ourselves. It's just within us. It's sin. It resides in us. And the believer must face that fact. That's the principle. That the, the believer must face the fact that spiritual warfare is the primary battle against sin. Sin in our own life. Now, the passage that was read for us earlier, we, we see that struggle. In Romans chapter 7, Paul uh, is a, a wonderful picture, and I'm so glad that that picture is in Scripture when Paul is struggling within his own heart, we, we see that struggle. We identify, like Dave said, we identify with that struggle. And, and what we see is the more mature we get in, in our spiritual growth, the stronger we become, more spiritually aware that we become, we, we understand God's holiness is so high and it's almost unattainable. And we see ourselves as uh, more sinful. We see ourselves as so much more contaminated. And we see God's holiness is so great. And, and the struggle seems to be even more intense and, and intensified. We would look at Paul's life and say, man, he's such a godly man. But then we exposed his, uh, he exposes his heart and he sees himself as the chief of sinners. And that's, that's the spiritual struggle. That's the lie. That's the life that we live. The first step, then, I think, in spiritual warfare is recognizing, recognizing the depth of our sin, where the conflict is, and how to defeat sin in our own life. And for the next couple of weeks, that's what we want to address. And in this passage, Paul is dealing with that very thing. Dealing with the, the sin and the conflict, the spiritual warfare. And I want to ask... Three questions. I hope we, we can get through all three questions today, but the three clarifying questions for the believer in dealing with his own sin and sinfulness. Number one, what exactly is the source of the conflict? You have to understand this. And I'm going to go a little deep here because it's, it's important. What's going on? If we put the heart, the human heart, under a microscope here, what would we see? We need to get down to that level. And that's kind of what Paul is doing here. And we want to start with just by verse 16 and 17. That's our focus today, really, verse 17. In verse 16, he, he kind of introduces. He says, walk by the 
spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, so he, he, he hints to it there, but then in verse 17, he, he lets us have it. He says, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. Where's the source? It's the flesh. The flesh. Now, we need to understand the flesh. And, and we, we may have a, a little bit of a working definition, but I want to flesh that out a little bit. The, the flesh is the seat of, of sin within the, our own self. It, it's the rebellious part uh, that's fighting against God. It's the unredeemed part of our humanity. Now, at this point, there's, there's two... We have to be careful. There's two misunderstandings that can be uh, a part of this verse here. Um, and and I, I don't want you to be confused. There's, there's this idea that's floating around. It, it's actually kind of having a resurgence now. We find it back in the Gnostics uh, philosophy, uh, in this Gnostic area, uh, era, back in the 2nd, 3rd, 4th century, that... Um, Everything is everything that's material is sin, is sinful. It, it was made sin back in the Garden of Eden. In fact, God made it sin. It's just material, all material is sin. And that then leads to a a, a lofty a high, higher knowledge, a higher consciousness. We have to lift ourselves up. Spirituality is essentially lifting ourselves up and, uh, to this, uh, enlightenment that we detach ourselves from the sinfulness of this world. Um, so much so that they can participate in pagan worship and, and really not be affected by this uh, it's not affecting their spiritual life at all because they're, they're just, uh, they're in this higher plane of consciousness. And everything material is sin. Well, that's not really what Paul is talking about. Paul is not talking about it, sin being wrapped up just in, in this physical body. Um, Paul is talking about it residing in this body. And there's a little bit of a difference here, and I, I want to make that difference. It's like kid playing in the mud. It's not the, the kid's the problem, it's the mud on the kid's the problem. So you wash the kid. You don't throw the kid out, you wash the kid. Now, the second thing, and I think this is even more dangerous here, is that some translators have translated this, this word flesh here as sin nature. And that's unfortunate. It's not a nature. I think NIV may translate it that way. I'm not sure. But it's, it's not a nature. It's, it's, it's the flesh. It's, it's always tied to this body. And the believer's nature has changed. In fact, we don't have to look too far. If you look over Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we see... Uh, that we are different kind of people or different people here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. It's, it's not the core of Paul who lives. No, Christ is living in me. In the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God and I, who loved me and gave himself up for me. If you go to chapter 5 
in verse 24, down this this, uh, verse that we read earlier. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That flesh has died. We actually have a new nature. It says you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you look over chapter 6 and verse 14. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We have been changed. That's the distinction for the believer, and that's a very important distinction to have. In fact, what we see in first or second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, Paul says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, and that's an important phrase, if you're in Christ, you he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. We're completely different people. We are, have been born again. We are new from within. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. This will just blow your socks off. It says this. Peter says it this way. For by these he has been, he has granted to us, by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. He has implanted a seed within us, a divine nature. We have a different nature now. One that has been changed. We're, we're not the same. And he said, having escaped the corruption from the world. Now, that doesn't mean we're gods. We have to be careful there. What does this idea of flesh mean? What is Paul talking about? If you go back to Galatians chapter 5, what is he he's saying here? For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. What is the flesh? I like what uh, uh, Jay Adams says here. He says, the body is habituated to do evil. Let me say that again. The body is, is habituated to do evil. It has habits. There's a habit of doing evil. This is a, there's a, a residue, if you will, that affects the, the flesh. It's tied to this body. And, uh, Jay Adams, he would go on and compare it to like riding a bike. You may not have ridden a bike for many years, but you can hop on a bike and probably do pretty well. Or it's like driving a car. You learn to drive that car. You may not drive for a few years. You come back and you can drive that car. Maybe math skills. There's, there's our habits that we have built into our life. And from the time that a, a sinner is born, a baby is born, he will develop, and listen, sinful responses. And those sinful responses become habits, patterns of thinking, emotional reactions. Words, attitudes, bodily, bodily responses, even. And, and, and that's where the, the two kind of come together. And these things do not please God. They, they are sinful responses. And even though the spirit of the man has changed, the body still remembers those, those responses. The, the, in fact, Paul calls it the, the body of death. This is a, a dying, decaying body. 
And, and that's why it has to be shed before we will be able to get into heaven. Now, I know it's a fine distinction, but you need to understand that distinction here. Um, that it is the nature of man has been changed. The nature of the believer has been changed. He is just living in this body that is corrupted, that is contaminated by sin. But the nature has changed. And it's a, a slight distinction, but it's an important distinction. You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. John 8. John 8 says, and Christ made this distinction too. Then he said, this is Christ again to them. He says, I go away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. Now that's an that's a sobering thing. You will die in your sins. In fact, if you die in your sins, there's one place reserved for you and that is hell itself. Then again, the next verse, he says, Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am He. You will die in your sins. That, that's that's the, the person. The, the sin is so attached to them, they are dying in their sins. Now what was the phrase that we used earlier? That we, we, or who are believers, die in Christ. And that's important distinction. In fact, Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, the, the phrases use this, uh, like this. I have, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who died in the Lord. We want to die in the Lord, not die in our sins. Now that, I know it's a, it's a slight distinction, but it's an important distinction. We are not dying in our sins. We have been rescued from that. We have been saved from that. We are now dying in Christ, but we still have the residual effect of that sin. That sin, still, we still live in this sin-cursed body. And that, folks, makes all the difference, makes all the difference in the world. Um, in fact, Romans chapter 7 gives us a, a clear view of that. Actually, let's go ahead and look at that. Romans chapter 7. I want you to see the way Paul uses these same, the same terminology. Chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, and verse, we won't go back that far, verse uh, 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, and he makes a distinction here, that is in my flesh. The, the nature have, of Paul has been changed, but his flesh that, that's the problem. Does it? He says, uh, that is the flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. The good that I would, I do not do. But I practice the very thing that I do not want. Notice Paul's terminology. He doesn't want to do these things. It's this sin that, that's attached to this body that's doing these things. And, and he has to fight that sin. Verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Again, that's in his flesh. And he sees that principle, verse 22, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. It's that inner man, that, folks, that has been changed. 
We have moved from being in sin to being in Christ. And we know that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's where we want to be. And we, we may be in this body of death. He goes on to say in verse 23 in Romans chapter 7. But I see a different law in the members of my body. That's the terminology. That's, that's, the, that's exactly what he's talking about. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. I'm trapped in this body, he says. He says, and he throws up his hands and he says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? This body that's just destined to die because of the sin that resides in it. Now, do you see the distinction? You see the distinction. We're, we're in this fleshly body, but the core, the, the real person has been born again. There's spiritual life in this body. There's a distinction there. It's like water flowing through a pipe. And over time, that pipe gets old. It corrosive. The water may be pure, but the, the pipe is is contaminated with rust. So that pipe has to be replaced. Sometimes we, we put a, an old, a new engine into an, an old car. And the, the body may be falling apart, but that engine, man, that's a, that's a good engine. Yesterday, uh, actually a couple of days ago, I had to clean out a cooler. We were using the coolers for the, uh, uh, the game day yesterday and had a lot of, uh, you know, drinks and, and things in it. Water had left, been setting in it. And um, I poured out the water. It, it just stunk. It was terrible, terrible. And the cooler still stunk, even after I poured out the water. Why? Because there was this film that was at the bottom of this cooler. Just nasty, right? Nasty. And folks, that's that's what it is. The sin has been poured out. We We are now in Christ. But there's this slimy film that we live in, this body that we live in that needs to be replaced. So we, we replace the, the, the thoughts, the attitudes, the words that we use. We, we get rid of those things. This flesh contains that, that sinful habit of thinking, sinful attitudes, sinful words, those responses that we, we've just kind of grown up with. And, and we now need to have new responses. We need, we need to change those things. We have been changed on the inside and that body needs to catch up. Now, folks, that's the good news. There's hope there. Because if I, if I, I am a Christian and I think I'm still just enslaved to sin, that I just can't help it. This is just the way I am. You're never going to change. It'll never happen. But Paul says, now you, you have been crucified with Christ. You are now in Christ. You're no longer slaves to sin. Romans chapter six. You just have that slimy film around you that you need to just scrub off. You need to get that stuff off. And there's a big difference. We're not slaves anymore. We just need to be clean. It's just a constant cleaning. How do you do that? Well, if you turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple pages to the right, a few pages to the right, Ephesians chapter 5, he gives us this answer, chapter 5 and verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, the, the habits of life, the, the lifestyle that you used to live, 
You, you put it off. You lay aside, he says. Stop doing those. You're not enslaved to those things anymore. You, you can stop. Lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Lust of deceit. It's just this thing, thinking in our head, our minds. That, oh, well, we just have to do that. That's just the way I am. That's just my personality. That's just the way God made me. No, He didn't. <laughs> no, you can lay that aside. That's the good news. And, verse 23, and that you're, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You, you change those habits of thinking. You, you wash that mind out. And how do we do that with the, with the Word of God is allowing it to saturate our minds and to think God's thoughts after Him, to be biblical in our thinking. And then on top of that, verse 24, and put on the, <clears throat> put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which is created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. God's standards up here. Now that, that's where we are. So the source of the conflict, <clears throat> source of the conflict is our flesh, folks. We've been detached from that flesh. It's just, it's just a residual effect there. It's not the source, uh, it's not the, the, uh, the, the truly contaminated part from us. That's been changed. But, but those sinful habits, and folks, therein lies the good news, because we can relearn habits. We can, we can change those things. Those are things that, that we, we don't have to be attached to those ideas anymore, those words anymore, those attitudes anymore. We can, we can lay those aside. Um, and that's what we need to do. Let, let, go back to the, let me just kind of wind up here. I, I won't go into the second question yet. But I do want to, I do want to conclude this. Go back to our passage. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. It says, For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. And we'll look at that next week. And the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the thing that you please. That's important for us to know. You know, you, you don't have to be the way you are. The Lord has freed us up to be changed, to live differently. We are changed at the very core of who we are. We are now in Christ. In fact, we'll look next week. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And we can, we can put those things aside. We can lay those things off. And folks, that is wonderful news. You, you can clean out a cooler. I cleaned out that cooler, took a sprayer, took some soap and water, cleaned out that cooler. Can't tell that that cooler was ever contaminated. And folks, that's the way that we can live the Christian life. And that's, that's good news for people who are so saturated with the sins that we don't even know we're wet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank You for Your grace. And even just this small amount of time, just thinking through these just this one little principle. You get the glory for this. You are the one that has changed us from within. You are the one that has made us to be born again, to given us new life. And, and Lord, we thank You for that. Lord, may our body 
may we train our body to catch up with the, the spiritual change that has taken place in our life. And Lord, may we be like Paul. The older we become, the more spiritual mature we become, Lord, may we see our own sinfulness even greater and, Lord, hate it even more. May we see Your, your standard holiness so high that, that we would run from our sinfulness, that we'd lay aside, renew our mind, and put on godliness. And Lord, may that be the pattern of our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.